0: Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearchurch.com or download our app, available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. Between my freshman and sophomore year of college, I I didn't want to go back home to my home in Greensboro, North Carolina, I was in college at Appalachian State up in the up in Boone, North Carolina, and um, it was it was between those years. And if I went home, I was going to have to work at the K and W cafeteria. And the idea of wearing a hairnet and uh, <laughs> asking people to serve you just didn't work well for me. And so a guy came by my dorm room just like a week before I left. I was supposed to leave and go back home. He said, "Hey, he said, would you like to travel to some really exotic places and make a lot of money?" I'm like, "I'm in." And uh, he taught me into going out and selling books door to door for the entire summer for a company called Southwestern Book Company. And anybody, anybody sell for them? We usually have one or two that are willing to admit it. It was, it was a good, it was, actually it was a very good job, very difficult job. And for a whole week they trained us about selling door to door and learning the, the techniques and all the things about selling door to door. And they kept telling us at the end of the week that Mort Utley was coming. And we didn't know who Mort Utley was. We were 18, 19 years old. We didn't know Mort Utley. Who's Mort Utley? They kept saying, oh, Mort Utley's coming. They pumped this guy up so much. By the time Mort Utley showed up, we were just like screaming our heads off. And we're like, who is he? And he he came out. And uh, when I first saw him, I thought, wow, he's kind of an old dude. Uh, Then I looked it up and found out he's the same age I am now. And so uh, (laughs) let me amend that. He was a young, vibrant man who, uh, who... who came out there and, and uh, he began to talk to us about positive thinking. He said, let me he said, let me share my favorite story. I've never forgotten his story. It was his ending story. He said there was parents that had identical twin boys who looked just alike, but they couldn't be any more different. He said these boys were, were one was a, a, just an eternal optimist. He was optimistic, loved everybody, loved everything, just an optimistic kid. The other one was a pessimist hated everything, hated life, and it bothered the parents to the point where they, they said, we've never seen such a difference in, in, in identical twins. They took him to a child psychologist. psychologist said, this is unusual. He said, let's run a couple of tests. So they put, they put the, the young pessimist, the little pessimist twin, they put him in a room full of brand new, beautiful toys. They said, we'll be back in a couple of hours. Then they put the little optimist, they put him... In a room that was just nothing in the room except in the middle of the room was this huge pile of horse manure. They said, We'll be back in a couple of hours. When they went back to check on the little pessimist twin, he was sitting in a corner with his arms folded, he wasn't playing with anything. They said, why didn't, you play on the, uh, why didn't you play on the skateboard? He said, Afraid I'd fall off and break my arm. He said, well, Why didn't you play with the skates? He said, Afraid I'd fall and skin my knee. He said, Well, why didn't you blow up any of the balloons? He said, I was afraid it would hurt my mouth. He had a horrible time. So they said, okay, let's go see about the the little guy in the room full of manure. They went there and they were concerned because there was manure everywhere. This kid had thrown it. He was was up to his waist in it. He was digging through it and throwing it. It was all over the ceiling. It was all over the place. And they thought, oh my gosh, we pushed him too far. He has lost it. And they went in and they said, son, son, what, what are you doing? And he looked up, he's got manure all over him. He said, I figured with there's much manure here, there's got to be a pony in here somewhere. <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the moral of the story was, and he, Mort Utley said, when you're out selling books door to door, he said, you, you're going you're to go through a whole lot of manure. He said, you got to keep looking for the pony. And I thought, yeah, yeah, I like that. I'm going to look for the pony. I would love to tell you that every time I faced discouragement, I stayed out there the whole year, I, I mean the whole summer. I didn't make money. You worked six days a week from eight to nine. And then on Sundays, we couldn't go to church. We had all day sales meetings. It was, it was, it was a grueling summer. I would love to tell you, I just, I just kept looking for the pony. That didn't work for me. I hit some discouraging times. And I realized you need more than just a good story that I had not developed some of the thought patterns and some of the mental discipline that I needed to to stay positive in that situation. And so this morning, as we're talking about a different year, having a different year, I want to talk about some strategies for pushing back discouragement. And I'm not just going to tell you to look for the pony. And I'm also not going to tell you that this year is going to be perfect and you're never going to have any discouraging things happen. That wouldn't be true. I mean, I would, wouldn't you love to have one of those years where everything went perfect and nothing went wrong? Oh, we're going to have one. It. It's called heaven. And we're not there yet. And so how do we deal with discouragement when it comes? And it comes to all of us. Well, it, it comes in, in various forms, various reasons. One is when unexpected things happen. Well, we've seen that in the last couple of years, haven't we? unexpected deaths, unexpected loss of relationships, or loss of jobs, or, or loss, things that we just weren't expecting, and when they popped up, and they're just so discouraging, usually the negative. And so unexpected things can cause us to be discouraged. Uh, prolonged things, things that just are negative, and they last us for a long time. They said during the Vietnam conflict that the, the POWs in the Hanoi Hilton, that, that, that camp, he said the ones that made it were the ones that weren't thinking, hey, we're going to be out in, in, by Christmas or we're going to be out by Easter. He said the ones who just were able to hang in there for the long run because it, it, it was a heartbreaker when it just goes on and on and on. So there's unexpected and there's prolonged. And then what I call the pile-on, when things just pile up. I read about a, a man who was in a hotel bar. He just had a drink in front of him just staring at it. Wasn't drinking it, just looking at it. And there was a group of sales reps that were in a conference and they were, they were down there, a loud group of guys, and one of them louder than most. He saw the guy down there staring at the drink. He watched him for a while. Finally, he walked over there, slapped him on the back. He said, bro, you don't just stare at the drink, you drink the drink. And he picked it up, knocked the whole thing back and set it back down in front of him. The guy whose drink it was began to cry, just broke into tears. And the sales rep went, oh, My man, hey look, I'll get you, hate to see a man cry, I will get you another drink, just relax, he said no. He said it's just this day. He said I woke up this morning and my dog had taken off, I couldn't find him, so I went out looking for him and I was running late to work and I ran into the back of someone, messed up the front of my car and then when I got to work, my boss was mad because I missed an important meeting and he fired me and on my way home I had a flat tire and I didn't have a spare so by the time I got home, I got home just in time to see a moving truck pulling out of my driveway and my wife left me and took all the furniture with her. He said, I'm, I, I came here, I was just going to end it all. He looked at the guy and said, and then you come and drink all my poison. <laughs> so there's, there's pile on and there's unexpected. and But you know you, you know those times when things just, it's like, it, they're not big, but it's one thing after another. And, and, and they get discouraging. And so how do we deal with discouragement? Well, here, here's some ways that people do. Some people just wait it out. And, and I think there's, there's a value in that. They don't quit. They don't throw in the towel. They just kind of wait it out, wait for the situation to change, wait for things to turn around. That's good. That's good. It's not proactive, though it still is being dictated to by the circumstances instead of doing something proactively. So waiting it out is certainly better than quitting, but there are better ways. Some people talk it out. They, they, they talk with, with with people and they say, hey, here's the situation. And I think there's some value in that getting perspective as long as you move towards an answer. We had a friend that went through a very traumatic time and, uh, they, they really were going through a, a difficult, dark season, very discouraged. And they talked with the counselor, and initially the counselor helped them, gave them perspective, talked them off the ledge. And I, I'm, I'm very grateful for good Christian counselors who can do that. But after a while, this individual said that they kept just repeating the problem over and over and over. And they said, I felt like I was giving life to the darkness. And so they, they stopped that because it's repeating. Now, parents, let me just give you a parenting tip real quick. You need to allow your kids an opportunity to talk out what's discouraging to them. Sometimes parents are afraid to hear what's bothering their kids, especially as they get older. And so you need to give them an opportunity to at least talk that out with you. See, so you'd rather have them talk it out with you than talk it out with somebody else. And so you have an opportunity then to add perspective to it and, and step in and bring something that can help them and be a good solution. That's what parenting is all about. If they didn't, if you couldn't do that, they wouldn't need parents. They need your input. So let them talk. Don't be afraid of that. Let them talk. Let them finish, and then begin to help them get on a solution. So you can, you can wait it out. You can talk it out. You can drown it out. Now this is where it can get a little dicey. You can drown it out by maybe pouring yourself into your job or into your hobby. Not so bad unless you get way out of balance. But then on the other side, you see people that pour themselves into alcohol abuse or drug abuse. Or they just get some lost in some escapism and they never deal with reality. And so, again, that's not a good that's not a good strategy for dealing with discouragement. But aren't you glad if you're a child of God, you've got kingdom strategies that you can do? And the beautiful kingdom strategy is, one, you are not facing discouragement alone. If you have a relationship with the Lord, if you belong to him, then the Bible says you are a citizen of the kingdom of God and you're members of God's own family. So you've got, you've got family, you've got rights, and that's good, but then you need something where you can push back on the discouragement. How do you begin to push it back? And here's one of the, David who, was, who dealt with a lot of discouraging things. David learned to push back, and here's a great verse we see in the, in the Psalms. David is talking. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. Leave that up there just for a moment. N- Notice what David's doing here. He said, "Why are you cast down, O my soul?" He is talking to his soul. He said, "Alan, isn't, isn't it wrong to talk to yourself?" Mm. If you're no, it assures you that someone is listening. But. But if if you're if you're saying the right things to yourself. David said, Why are you cast down, on my soul? Why are you disquieted? Hope in God. Okay. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. They did some studies on, on people who talk to themselves. And they found that people who talk to themselves, they said it's actually smart. They took two groups, focus groups. They put they put one, they said, you have to they took them to a, a grocery store they'd never been in before. They said, we want you to find this item but you can't say a word. They told the other group, we want you to find an item, but you need to talk it out. They found the group who talked it out always found it faster. And so what they started finding out is people who talk to themselves, it says it helps spark memory. It helps validate decisions. It helps clarify thoughts. Say, well, that works in the grocery store. You know, the Navy SEALs are doing it also the Navy SEALs when they work on the psychology side they said self-talk they they had a bunch of Navy SEALs flunking the underwater when their underwater test only 25 percent were passing it and so they begin to talk to them about now of course it's hard to talk underwater but we're talking of, of what they're saying to themselves and so talking what you're saying to yourself what David did here is brilliant he started talking to his soul he's like soul Why are you discouraged? Why are you cast down? We're going to hope in God. Listen, there are a lot of times when there's nothing out here that you've got hope in, but there's always hope in God. I'm not looking for a pony. I'm looking for God in this situation, and I'm going to praise him for the help of his countenance. So in other words, I'm praising God because he's helping me. So you talk to yourself, you put your hope in God, and then you praise him before you ever see the help come. You know help is coming. And so if you can praise him ahead of time, I'll tell you something, you can begin to push back on the discouragement when it comes. Now, discouragement impacts everybody. In fact, in the Bible, it impacted one of the guys that we probably think is one of the strongest people in the Bible, and that's John the Baptist. John the Baptist was actually a cousin related to Jesus. And uh, man, he had a supernatural birth. His parents were older. John probably grew up thinking he would, I'm sure his parents told him he was special. He had a special plan for his life. And John, when he got old enough, he went out in the desert. He was kind of a wild man. He wore camel uh, rough clothing. He ate locusts and honey. We could say, oh, he ate locusts and honey. The brother ate bugs, all right? So he, he, ate, he ate bugs and honey and he had no problem calling people out. Snakes and vipers and man, he was just, you're talking about, you're talking about a bold individual. This guy was bold, but he wasn't just crazy bold. He was the first prophetic voice they'd had in Israel for 400 years. I mean, if he'd been on YouTube today, he'd be blowing it up because, man, people were following him. They're streaming out of the cities to be baptized by him. I mean, he was was the hottest thing going. And so here he is. he's He's got this ministry. And John the Baptist knew some things about Jesus that nobody else saw or knew. John the Baptist said, there's one coming. He said, I'm not even worthy to unloose, to untie his sandal. He said, there's one coming. He said, I baptize you with water. There's one coming. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He said, there's one coming. He said, I want to tell you something. He is the son of God. And then John said something. He had a revelation. It was a prophetic revelation of who Jesus was. He saw Jesus walking. He said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Nobody saw that. The disciples After three years, they didn't see it. Nobody saw it. John had insight. He had a vision when the Holy Spirit came like a dove and landed on Jesus after he baptized Jesus. John was, man, he had it going on. And then John decided to get involved in Herod and Herod's marriage. And that didn't work well. And he criticized Herod's wife, wound up in prison. And when John hit prison, things changed. Look at the story. When John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Man, you hear what John just did? John, this bold, strong, strong, This wild man, the one who was willing to call out leaders, he got in prison, and in prison, things got dark. He got discouraged. And in prison, he sent two of his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the coming one? What? This was the guy that had a, a revelation that Jesus was the Son of God, the Messiah, the Lamb of God. And now he's asking him, are you the coming one, or do we look for somebody else? And what we see in John, and Jesus referenced it, is in prison, in the dark, when things go negative, John got offended. He got offended, and he really, in a sense, he disconnected from the Lord. He just got offended at him. And, you know, maybe the Lord wasn't getting him out quick enough. Maybe he thought the Lord would just bail him out or get him out of it, and it wasn't working that way. And it bothered John. And John in prison, when things got dark, John got discouraged well, when it got to Jesus, I love how Jesus handled it because he handled it so well. I mean, Jesus, when they, when they came and asked him that question, it didn't say Jesus rolled his eyes and went, oh, dear Lord. John, come on, John. What's a, he, didn't, he didn't criticize him. He didn't rebuke him. In fact, he said kind things about John. Jesus still believed in John even though John was discouraged. But then he reminded John of the truth. He said, you go back and tell John what you hear and see. He said, you you tell him that the the blind are seeing and the lame are walking and the deaf are hearing. You tell him that the the dead are being raised up. There's some good things going on. And you think, yeah, go tell him about the miracles. But that's really not what Jesus was doing. Jesus was reminding John of what the prophetic scriptures had said about Jesus. Jesus. In Isaiah 35, it said in that day, talking about the perfect, talking about the Messiah, He said the blind will see and the lame will walk and leap like, a, leap like a deer and the deaf will hear. In Isaiah 61, it said, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And so what Jesus is actually doing is, he said, go back and tell John that scripture is being fulfilled. This is a fulfilling of scripture. And then he said this, he said, "And tell John, remind John that blessed is the one who's not offended because of me. Blessed is the one who doesn't get upset because things aren't going well and get upset with Jesus. He said, blessed are those ones. What does that tell us? Well, there's some strategies that we can use to push back on discouragement. He said, I know what it is, Alan. I'm gonna look for the pony. Well, that's good. Look for the pony, but I got some other ones. I think they're even stronger than looking for the pony. Here's the first thing though. You have to understand how discouragement works and what the end game is. You see, when you get discouraged, the problem is, in the dark, nothing looks good. Everything looks wrong. It pulls strength out of you. They did a, they did a study. Again, psychologists are always looking, and they're working with performance industries. Well, the military is a performance industry. And they're looking for how they can improve performance. And so they begin to manipulate this, this group. They had a group that was doing special training. And they told them, they said, now we're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna work four groups here. And they told the groups that they were going to, they told the first group, you're gonna go on a 40 kilometer fast march through the desert, full battle gear, full packs. Now that's how far they were actually gonna go. That was the actual distance. They'd done it once before. So you're gonna do 40 kilometers. Now, that's about 25 miles, fast march through the desert. They told the second group, you're going to go 30 kilometers and fast march. They told the third group, they divided them, they told the third group, they didn't even tell them how far. They just said, you can go on a march. Didn't tell them anything. They told the last group, you're going to do 60 kilometers. That's That's about 37 miles. So then they timed them to see how the groups performed. What's interesting is the group that was told they were going 40 finished first. The group that was told they were going 30, they finished second. The group that finished third was the group that didn't know how far they were marching. And by far, the group that failed the test more than anyone was the group that was told they were going 60 kilometers. I said, well, what happened there? They said they found out that in that group, 60 kilometers, it was too much for them. They could not, it it was too hard for them. They didn't believe, they said a third of that group dropped out after 10 kilometers. Why? They, They did 10 kilometers before breakfast. They dropped out because they they got discouraged. They didn't think they could do it. And when you don't think you can do it, it starts to shut everything down. That's what discouragement does. It it looks out at at things and goes, I can't do this. I can't make this. I'm not going to come through this. You have to understand that the end game of discouragement is to get you to disconnect from the Lord. I didn't say you wouldn't be saved. I just said you make a disconnect. And you get offended because things aren't working well or things didn't go the way they should. people break away from the Lord. You say, is that true, Ellen? Well, I've watched it happen the last two years. 2020, 2021, things happened unexpected, loss, problems, prolonged, and so many people, not you, but so many people, dropped out. Dropped out of church. They disconnected from the Lord. They disconnected. And it's, it, what happened? It wore them down. Discouragement will wear them down. So if you understand what discouragement does and understand the end result, then you can push back against it. Here's one of the ways you push back. We need positive input. We need positive input, especially when you're dealing with negative. You need an inflow of something positive. In Hebrews, the, the second chapter He's writing to the people that were undergoing some hard times. He said, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed. Now, in other words, pay attention to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Lest we drift away. Listen, we're not, we're not living in a vacuum here, guys. We're not living in church. Have you ever noticed you come to church sometimes you don't feel real good? You come to church and you sing a few songs. You're like, oh yeah, I'm starting to feel good. You You hear a message. Hopefully, And, you, and you, you leave thinking, okay, all right, that's good. But how many of you know, how you leave church, it's not necessarily how it feels on, on Monday morning. Because Monday morning, Monday morning is when reality hits. And we have to understand that we're living in a situation where there's just a lot of negative current going on. Have you ever, you know, do y'all work in perfect environments? You know what I'm talking about. The negative self. Everything negative sails. There's negatives going on. It's a negative current. You need something to be able to, it said the Bible said, if we don't pay attention to what we've heard, we can drift away. Never been to the beach. You go in one place and all of a sudden you're way down at the end. You're like, how did I get here? And you got pulled away by the current. So we need positive input. Positive input. And we need light to come. Let me show you what David said here. I like this. <coughs> Excuse me. Therefore The entrance Of your word gives light It gives understanding To the simple You got negatives coming at you You have, you have a, a negative environment You go to work and you go I don't know what's going to happen And everyone goes oh I'm telling you the Everything goes negative You need some light coming in The entrance of God When you're in the dark you need light And when so you say, well, how do I get light out? The entrance of God's word. Last week, I gave you a couple of scriptures. Last week, I gave you a couple of things. One, that God is for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? So you can take that scripture. There's the next one. I gave you another one, that God is with us and he's helping us. What shall we say then to these things? If God's for us, who can be against us? We can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I'll not fear. What can man do to me? What are, you, what are you saying, I'm saying that when problems come, yeah, it's good to look for the pony, but I, I want to look for more than, I need something more solid than looking for the pony in the middle of the horse manure. I need the strength of God's word to stand up and say, thank God God is for me. And if God's for me, who can be against me? Thank God God is with me. And if he's with me, I'm going to come through this. And then you can begin to talk to yourself and you begin to tell yourself, hey, hey, we're not going to get discouraged. You can talk yourself flat out of being discouraged. You can just go, nope, not going there. Not going to do it. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to keep trusting God. God's going to help me. He's where my hope is, soul. You better get yourself in line because I am not putting up with this. And you can begin to talk. You say, well, that sounds unusual. It beats being discouraged. And here's another, here's another thing too. You say, well, Alan, you know, I, I, that's all re- well and good, but right now everything's going perfect in my life and I'm not discouraged. Good, this is even a better time to start doing what I'm talking about. Because if you begin to do this in the light, it becomes easier to do it in the dark. Does that make sense? If you'll do it when things are okay, then when things get dark, you've been used to saying, no, God's for me. And if God's for me, nobody could be again. No, God is with me and he's helping me. And if God's helping me, we're going to come through. You get used to saying that. Then when the discouragement comes, you got something to push with. And if you'll do it when it's light, it's easier to do it when it's dark. We looked, you know, Matt, married a a wonderful young lady in in kelly kelly's beautiful girl matt matt married up michael married up i married up but on the day that matt was was getting married we looked we looked out on the back deck and he was doing push-ups on the back deck and and his mom walked out and said matt we've never seen you do push-ups in your life why are you doing push-ups now Well, you know, he's getting ready to get married. He wants to look good. No, no, no. You should have started that a long time ago. (laughs) On the wedding day is not the day. So what I'm trying to say is, hey, if things are going good, you're not under so much pressure right now, start to put this into practice where you can begin to say, thank God I've got the light because there's a current and we need to push against it. Here's the last one. Stay connected to the Lord. Stay connected to him. You know, things happen, things things can be discouraging, but in the middle of discouragement, the one you don't want to get offended at is the Lord. The one you don't want to back away from is the Lord. And I'm going to show you one of the best ways to stay connected to Him. It's simple, not easy, but simple. It's in Hebrews again. This was written to people who were undergoing some real pressure, some real discouraging things. He said, therefore, by Him, by Jesus, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Now that sounds so simple, guys, but it's so much better than complaining. It's so much better in talking about how bad things are. It's so much better in focusing on the negative. What you begin to do is go, Lord, I'm going to give you thanks. I'm going to give you thanks. Aren't you, you say, well, Alan, I don't have anything to give him thanks for. Oh yeah, you got, you got plenty to give him thanks for. Hey, if the fact that you walked in here under your own power, you can give him thanks for that. The fact that you can take a good deep breath, you can give him thanks for that. The fact that you survived 20 and 21, you can give him thanks for that. You we've got things we can thank God for. Are you, are you married to someone you can stand? Give thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> we got a lot we can give thanks for. But here's the thing. Giving thanks is not only good, it's not only good manners, it's good faith. Because it connects us to him. Anyways, we're giving thanks to him for keeping that connection intact. Gordon McDonald talked about taking his three year old grandson to Chuck E. Cheese. And uh, he and his wife took the little guy to Chuck E. Cheese. And uh, when they were coming out, uh, his wife, Gordon McDonald's wife, was was buckling the little guy into the car seat. And she said, Now, you remember to tell Papa thank you for taking you to Chuck E. Cheese. Silence. She. when she got in the car, she looked in the back seat, she said, sweetheart, thank Papa for taking you to Chuck E. Cheese. Silence. Gordon said he was gonna stay out of the conversation, but he's he starting to get a little irritated. He said, Papa loves to do nice things for his grandchildren, especially when they say thank you. Silence. Little guy didn't say nothing. Just sitting back there. He said, <laughs> now he's starting to get irritated. He said, did you hear, Papa? And the little kid said, uh-huh silence finally finally Gordon said are you ignoring me and the little guy spoke up he said I'm thankful Papa I just don't want to say it now we can give a three-year-old a break on that he's three but I can tell you there's there's way too many people who go well you know I'm thankful in my heart but I don't want to say anything forget about being thankful in your heart it needs to come out of your mouth and when, you, when it comes out of your mouth, that's, that's, a, that's a powerful thing. You said, well, Alan, I'm not an expressive person. I didn't say you had to become talkative and bubbly. I just said you need to be expressive. You need to be able to say, thank you, Lord, you've been good. Thank you, Lord, you're on my side. Thank you, Lord, you're helping me. Thank you, Lord, I don't have to be discouraged. Thank you, Lord, I can do this. I say, well, when do I do that, Alan? Well, not in the middle of your cubicle when you're supposed to be working, but you can say it on the way to work. You can say it on your way back home. You can say it before you go to bed. You can always give thanks. And when you do, you stay connected to the one who can help push you through discouragement. Listen, discouragement may come this year, but it does not have to dominate you. We're going to come through this. We got something more than a pony to push back with. Look for the pony, but look for God right in the middle of it. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? If you came this morning and you said, Alan, I don't, I don't know if I have a relationship with the Lord. I don't know that I've ever made him the Lord of my life, but I want to know this. I, I want to be sure. Or maybe you're, you, you had done that one time and you realized, man, I, I've, got, I've gotten away from God and uh, I don't want to be there. Maybe you came to church this morning or you're watching online today realizing, I, I, I want things to be right with God. I don't, I, I don't want to stay this way. I want to change. Well, thank God you can, he can do that. And he can make such a, a difference in your life. We're going to say a prayer. It's a simple prayer, but it's a powerful prayer. And you can pray this prayer with us. If you're, if you're sitting here, we, we can, we're going to pray it together out loud. If you're watching online, you can, if you're by yourself, pray it out loud with us. If you're, if you're with other people, pray it quietly, but pray this prayer. We're going to pray it as a church family, but I'm going to ask you one thing first. If that's you I'm talking to, and you're saying this morning, Alan, that's me. That's me. I know that's me. I know I need a relationship with the Lord. I'm not sure and I want to be sure. That's me. Alan, would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up real quick? Just just shoot it up across this auditorium. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Anyone else? Say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me? Thank you. Thank you, guys. Put your hands down. We're going to pray. Now, maybe you thought, I don't know. I didn't want to lift my hand. Maybe he's going to call us to the front. No, I'm not going to call you to the front. Right there in your seat. But this is a prayer for you. You can pray this prayer. I'm gonna pray with you as a church family. You pray it out loud. We pray it out loud. If you're watching online, pray it, pray it out loud if you're by yourself. It's just good, it's something so good to, to express. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Heads are still bowed and eyes are closed. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. Thank you, Father, for those who've stepped out of darkness into your marvelous light. And for those who've come back home, we rejoice, heaven rejoices, and we rejoice with them. And Father, for the rest of us, thank you that you've given us strategies, tools, things we can use that are stronger than the darkness that tries to overwhelm us. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your strength. Thank you that this can be a different year. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We hope this message has blessed you. We have services every single Sunday at 9 and 10.30 and Wednesday nights at 7. We'd love to see you here. Have a great week.